Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of River City Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Our mission is to awaken people to the transforming presence and power of God's love. To find out more, visit rivercitychurch.com and thanks for listening. Okay, so for you who don't know me, for the visitors, my name is Melissa. I am a member of River City Church. Over the years, I have worn a lot of different hats, but I have to tell you guys that Probably my favorite hat is the one that I get to wear when I come up here on Sunday and share with you what God has put on my heart. So I'm really excited to do that. I want to start out this talk by introducing you guys to someone. Um, If you want to put the picture up, this is Stephen. Now, Stephen, follow this, he is my sister-in-law's brother. Now, this first picture of Stephen, you can see... On the left, this is Stephen in January of 2022. This is Stephen. He is at the end of years of addiction to drugs and alcohol. Just years of being at the bottom, really. Um, During the time in his addiction, Steve went to rehab six times. He detoxed 14 times. He was Baker-acted at least 10 times. And he spent countless hours in the emergency room. Stephen was in a bad place. He was in a dark place. And and living in that place for so long, there were a lot of consequences to that. And pretty much his life fell apart, as you can imagine, that it would. Stephen lost his wife of 10 years. He lost the brand new house that they had just built together. And Stephen lost his whole career that he had built up, just totally wiped away and gone. You know, his family really kind of got to the point where it felt like there were two real options for Stephen. He was going to get help or his addictions were probably going to kill him. I mean, it was that bad. That picture is taken the day that he was admitted to the Calvary House Center for Men in Fort Lauderdale. Stephen sent 13 months at the Calvary House. It is a residential program for men in addiction. 13 months, not 28 days. It took him 13 months to complete the program. And that picture on the right, that's the day that Stephen graduated. That's February 2023. That's about six months ago. And I think if you look at the picture, you can tell that those are two different men. Stephen on the left, he is gone. He is gone. He went to the Calvary house. By the grace of God, his family got him a position there. And he decided to take it. After all of the rehabs, after all of the detoxes, after all of the Baker Acts, he decided that he was going to go. And during his time there, he got help. He got counseling. He got support. But more importantly, he found Jesus. And his life was 100%, is 100% transformed. I mean, it's true. Like, In a sense, you could say that his addictions did kill him because that man is dead and he is a new man today. (laughs) It's true. I want to show you guys one more picture. That's Stephen with Abby. Sorry. Abby is Stephen's mother. And through all of the years of everything that Stephen and his family went through, Abby prayed her heart out for Stephen. 
She prayed that he would make it home safely at night, that he would wake up the next day to live another life, another day. She prayed for the freedom of the addictions that was sucking the life out of him. And she prayed that God would come and bring him home. She didn't give up on Stephen. I mean, it was hard. And she stood firm in her belief that God would come get him. Uh, we're doing Alpha. You saw the announcement about the day away. And this past Alpha actually was on prayer. And there was a quote um, by someone named Corey Tenboom. And if you don't know who she is, she is a survivor of the Holocaust. Her and her family hid Jews and refugees through all of World War. And her whole family was sent to the camps. And she's the only one that survived. And so it's fair to say she's seen her trials. And it's when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark. You don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and you trust the engineer. And I want to tell you that quote, and I want to tell you about Abby and Stephen this morning for a couple reasons. First, to testify to the goodness of God, to testify to answered prayer, to testify on Mother's Day, that even for those in our life who feel like there is no hope that there is, that Jesus can do anything but also because, you know, flowers and um, Hallmark cards aside, like Jared said, Mother's Day, ooh, it could be really tricky for some of us. It is very tricky for some of us in this room this morning. And there are some of us who are here and we are celebrating those strong women like Abby in our lives who have stood in the gap, who have stood firm and been example for us. But some of us are not, right? Some of us are mourning the mothers that we have lost. We're mourning the children who made us mothers who we have lost. Or maybe some of us are grieving the fact that we didn't have a mother like that at all. As mothers, some of us have to reconcile who we are as mothers, kind of compared to who we thought we were going to be. And again, like Jared said, some of us are living out that tension of wanting to be mothers desperately and living in the tension of that prayer not being answered. You know, family, there's room for all of that in here. In this room, in this church, we can feel all of those things and we can um, make space and support each other in all of those ways, in all the ways that, that, that we haven't even said this morning, but also, as always, Jesus offers comfort to us in all those many different ways. Um, so there's a point, I'm just going to tell you guys, uh, every time that I speak, there's a point when I'm preparing my talk where I decide the best thing to do is completely give up, just totally, like, this was a mistake, I am not supposed to be doing this. Um, I have prayed that I'll get the flu or impetigo, and, um, <laughs> and which you would not want to see me speak if I had impetigo. And so I, what I should do is just call Jared right now so he can come up with a plan B. Totally. Every time it happens. Um, one time I actually did get the flu, though. That was real. Um, I don't know if I actually prayed for it. but um, So this time, here's what I did. This was probably Wednesday or Thursday. I decided to get me through that slump. I'm actually going somewhere, kind of. I mean, not really, but I'm, I'm just being honest with you guys. To get me through that slump, every um, 
This is ridiculous, uh, but it's true. Every group, like little passage of scripture that I'm gonna go through today, I decided I was gonna refer to it by a title of an episode's, episode of the show Friends. That's true, I know, this is, that's it, that's where I'm going with all this, there's no great revelation, but um, it just helped me get through. It's either you get friends or I give up, so take, take one or the other. Um, we're gonna look at a passage of Luke first, um, and there's two, ac- these are actual titles of episodes of Friends, and there's two we could go with here, and you just pick your favorite and go with it. Um, one is The One with the Birth. If, you, if you've ever watched Friends, all of their episodes are like that. And the other one is The One with All the Haste. I'm gonna read the scripture, figure out. You pick which one you like. Okay, oh, backstory. So um, this is a pretty familiar passage. Even if, even if you're a visitor and you don't normally go to church, Jesus is born uh, in Bethlehem, in a manger, The shepherds are kind of nearby, kind of outside of the center of the city, and all of a sudden, they're just like watching the sheep, their flock overnight, and an angel appears to them, right? And that's where we pick up. This is Luke 2, 10 through 19. It said, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born to you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said. But Mary was treasuring all these things in her heart and meditating on them. I've had three children. We have three girls. And though I did not have them in a barn... I did have them at home, so for some of you, that probably feels like kind of the same thing, right? Uh, But listen, like a woman, right after she gives birth, there's a lot going on, and it is not always the best time to receive visitors. And so for Mary, she is in a barn, and she is recovering from this just wild birth. Everything has been crazy about this. And these three sweaty shepherds come bursting into the barn. I mean, she does not know this, these people. She is not expecting them. And immediately, they just start going off on like, oh my gosh, we were in the field, and then there was an angel, and we were scared, but he said it was okay because there's a Messiah, and there was more angels, and they were singing, and then they told us that we would find you here, and look it, here you are, right? Like, this is, this is what's happening. And, and it says that everybody was like, wow, that's amazing, but I think Mary is like, did, did they eat the wrong mushrooms for dinner? Like when they were out in the field, like what are they talking about? She says that, I don't know, it's like everybody was amazed but Mary. Mary's just sitting there and she's taking all of these things in. And she is putting them here. She is treasuring them in her heart. You know, this is not really Mary's first rodeo with angels, right? There is nothing about this pregnancy or the conception of Jesus that has been normal, and I feel like that this event is an indication things are not going to start leveling off for Mary, 
right? God gives her these words, not the first words that he has given her. He gives her these words because he knows that Mary is going to need them. She is going to need these words for the next 33 years and beyond. Jesus gives her a run for her money. The journey in front of her is nothing like what she expects, especially with words like this. Well, this sounds pretty good. My son, Savior, Messiah, okay. You know, today, with the dedication of these children, it's just a really beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing that we get to do as a church. And, and these words are spoken, the words that we, Jared says on the screen, the words that we as a church pray and that he prays over them, it is just such a blessing for these children. And it's a blessing for their families because they need them, right? It's not an easy road being a parent. It's not an easy road being a family. For all those that are here that are supporting the parents and the babies, these words are for all of us. But church, the words are for us too. We've committed as a church to walking through them. But it's the, the, the song, one of the songs we were singing today, it's like, you know, he's faithful for, through generation to generation. As a church, we need those words too so that we can put our hope that he is going to bless this next generation, that he is going to rise raise them up, and that, that they will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It does not stop with us. He continues it. And so in the same way, I, I, I kind of just want to say that God has spoken a whole book of promises over his sons and over his daughters. The Bible, thousands of years of promises spoken over you for you to take out, to treasure out, to treasure up in your heart and take out when you need them. Um, for those that are in a city group in River City Church, uh, one of the things we did in the last week or two was watch a video on prayer. Um, and in that video, there's a story about a woman who was having some health issues and she needed an MRI. And, and just the anxiety of having to do the MRI was literally making her throw up. And so she memorized Psalm 91. And Psalm 91 is all about the presence and the protection of God. And so when she went into the MRI, what she did was she spoke Psalm 91 over and over and over again. And it said when she came out, she, not only was she not throwing up, but she felt the presence of God in there with her. I mean, I know that it's Mother's Day, and I know that it's baby dedication, and we've already said that not all of us are mothers in here, obviously. Not all of us are parents, but all of us are children. One way or the other, we are children, and we are all children of God, and he gives us his promises for us to pull out when we need them. We're going to look at another passage in Luke, and this is, um, I'm going to call this one, the one where they're up all night, friends reference. Um, and this is a little backstory. Jesus in this section, section, he's 12, and his family has traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover as tradition. Passover has happened, and now they're traveling back home. Uh, Mary and Joseph get one day in their journey back home, and they realize that Jesus is not with them, right? And so they go back. And this is what it says. It says, after three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. 
when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked them. Didn't you know it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and he came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. The way that the uh, message version says it is actually, his mother held these things dearly, deep within herself. For three days, Mary and Joseph tore through that city looking for their child. The fear, the panic, the just ongoing loop of worst case scenario. Jerusalem is a big city. It's a winding city. It's a dirty city. It's not necessarily the safest city in the world. Also 2,000 years ago, no cell phones, no GPS watch tracker. And the guilt, I mean, honestly, I imagine there's a fair amount of guilt of being a parent and having realized that you left your child. You left to go home for a whole day and did not even realize that your child was with you. It is a very home alone moment, right? Kevin. Um, okay. I don't know, I feel like you can almost feel just like the desperation and really the just exasperation in, in Mary and Joseph. Uh, you know, I kind of would imagine that if I had left one of my child one of my children in the city, and, and it had been three days that I was looking for them, that maybe they might be freaking out a little bit too. Oh my gosh, where is my parent? What am I supposed to do? Where do I go? Anything, fill in the blank. You, you get it, right? Kid probably freaking out. But when they find Jesus, he really seems pretty unfazed. I mean, he really does. He's not jumping up. He's not crying. He's not running to them. He's doing none of that. And in very true Jesus fashion, when they ask him, basically, what the heck are you doing? We have been searching for you. Instead of answering them, like kind of outright, he gives them another question. It's very Jesus. Even as a 12-year-old, we can see his personality coming out here. Um, Why were you searching for me? Why were you searching for me? As if it is not a very obvious reason why they were searching for him, right? Um, But here's what he says next. Didn't you know? Didn't you, my parents, know that I needed to be here? Don't you, Mother Mary, out of anyone, know who I am? Do you remember all those things that you have treasured up in your heart? Don't you know who I am? And it says right there that they don't. They did not understand what he said to them. And and I think there is an element of of Jesus, even as a child, seriously referring to who he is as God's son. Didn't you know? Don't you know who I am? But I also think there's an element of Jesus and all of his humanity as a son looking at his parents and saying, don't you know who I am? 
a son who wants to be seen, truly seen for who he is, for who God created him to be by his parents. I feel like it's an obvious cliche that our families or parents, the people who kind of should know us the best because they've been with us the most, should understand who we are, and they don't. Sometimes they just don't get us, right? It's like a 1998 DJ Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith single, Parents Just Don't Understand. You know that song won a Grammy that year? That won Grammy for best rap song. Isn't that crazy? Anyways, but it's in the Bible, okay? He was very inspired. Um, Oh, where am I? I'm talking about Will Smith, and I'm getting all distracted here. <laughs> My family, I'm one of three, and I have an older sister who's five years older than me and a younger brother, and he's a year and a half older than me. And my older sister, she played all the sports, very athletic, right? She did track and she did cross country, which I guess are two different things. She did volleyball, she did softball, she did cheerleading, and she was great at all of them. And so it felt natural that I would also do all the sports, except that I was bad at all of them. Totally, just terrible, afraid of the ball. You kind of have to not be afraid of the ball to play some of those games. And, and to make it worse, my brother, who is younger than me, is also great at sports. He was just great at it. They were all great, and I was all terrible and miserable and left field, praying to God that the ball would not come to me. And it wasn't until I was in my second year of college, and I was kind of going through the course schedule, trying to figure out what I was going to do, and I saw a listing for beginning ballet. And I thought, that sounds fun. That sounds way better than all the other classes I'm going to take. I'm going to take beginning ballet. And so I signed up for it, and from the first day that I went into that class, Something in me just felt right being there. I had never taken ballet in, in my whole childhood. I was too busy not being good at softball. And, um, and I don't know what it was. I took that ballet class, that same exact beginning ballet class. I just re-signed up for it over and over again for two years through college. And, and I felt like, like Billy Elliot, you know? Like, did you ever see that movie? Like, it's just like electricity. And, and I was just like, I remember thinking, didn't my parents know? Like, didn't they know that I was not softball girl? Right? I mean, if I was 90 pounds when I graduated, like, I had put on some weight. Um, you know, but they didn't. They didn't know. They were doing their best. And, and they didn't, they couldn't see who I was past kind of their own experiences. And sometimes we just don't. Right? And I'm saying this because I want us to have some grace for ourselves. I want us to have some grace for our parents. Like, I don't know, sometimes, sometimes we miss it. Mary missed it. Joseph missed it. But what it says next is, is, is Mary was listening. She was observing. And again, she was treasuring these things deep in her heart. She didn't brush it off. She looked at the scenario and she pulled it in. There's one more thing I want to look at at this passage and, and then we'll start kind of moving on and wrapping up. I know you guys are anxious to either celebrate or not celebrate Mother's Day. Um, when Mary and Joseph found Jesus, he didn't apologize to them. You notice that? 
There's not like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You guys have been looking at me for three days and I've just been hanging out here in the temple with my new BFFs. No, right? He didn't say that. And so I want to say this carefully. And in the words of Jared, don't hear me saying what I'm not saying. Our children do not need to apologize to us for walking out who God created them to be. They do not. Your child might be very different from you. So different, so different. It is hard for you to understand them, but you are called to love them, to champion them, mold them, shape them, point them in the way of Jesus, yes, but change who he has created them to be? No. We're not called to do that. Jesus did not apologize for that. And in the same way, as adults, as children, we do not need to apologize to our parents for walking out the path that God has for us. However different it is from what your parents expected of you. When I first started going to church in high school, my parents thought I joined a cult. For real. Like, that's not a joke. That's actual real. They did not understand it. That didn't mean I stopped going to church. We're called to honor, obey, and respect our parents. But God has made us all different. I just want to say that. I just, I feel, I feel like we needed to just say that this morning. Um, and there's a, lot, there's a lot in there, but like I said, don't hear me saying what I'm not saying. It's not that we, our children, just go off and do whatever we do or want to do and say, oh, that's just the way I am. That's not what I'm saying. But really, being a parent is hard. Having a parent, oh my gosh, I think that's even harder, right? Our parents driving us crazy. Being a mother, oh my gosh, it is its own kind of hard. These kids are flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. And finally, someone who is like me, and then they come out, and you're like, oh my gosh, they're nothing like me. Who are these people? Where did they come from? But like, I mean, I meant it. We can look to Mary and Joseph and we can find comfort in them. We can take the pressure off of ourselves to be perfect parents because they sure weren't. Have you ever had a child run away? You thought they were there and they were gone. They had this other thing they had to do for three days. Yeah, Jesus did that. Jesus he did that to his parents. Maybe you have forgotten your child somewhere. Maybe you left them somewhere and you did not realize that they were not with you. Mary did that and she was a saint, people. <laughs> For real. Oh, this one's good. What about this? Have you ever just kind of like skipped out on your parents? Maybe you're doing something that they didn't want you to do. And they came and they tracked you down and they called you out in front of all of your friends and made you come home? Yeah, that happened to Jesus too. Take comfort, church. Maybe you've lost a parent. It doesn't say it in here. We didn't go over it. But by the time Jesus was in Jerusalem when he was 12 and he came back in his, mystery and his, his ministry as an adult, Joseph had died. He was gone. 
doesn't even, we don't know what happened to him, or, or maybe you have lost a child. Mary has been through that. She has been through both of those things. There are comfort for us in God's word, church. You know, we've been through this series of prayer and have talked about how really we don't know this side of heaven, why some of our prayers are answered and some are not, and some are answered in ways that make absolutely no sense to us at all. We just don't know. But we have a choice, church. We can hold on to the promises of God. Now, we can trust that, that he, as, as the ultimate engineer and author of life, is going to get us through. Or we can throw our ticket away and jump out the window and wander in the dark. You know, I said it was by the grace of God, and it truly is, that um, Stephen came out of his journey on the other side. There were a lot of times where it looked like he really wasn't going to. And, you know, once he graduated the program, Calvary House, they actually offered him a position uh, at the center, which he took. And so he now works there at that place um, because he does not really have that much to come back to here other than his family. And so he works at Calvary House, and he's supporting the staff in the facility, and he's able to be there to stand next to the men who are still going through their journey. And for him, even someone of his age, he's really just beginning to step into what God has for him. Like this is the beginning of his journey with Jesus and the life that he has truly been called to lead. And yeah, it took, it took years of literal heartache and hell to get him to where he is today. There's a, a verse, another verse in Luke. We're hanging out in Luke, and it's 35, and it's when Jesus, um, I'm not going to put it up, but when Jesus' parents take him to the temple when he's a, a baby, and there's a man named Simeon there, and when he sees Jesus, he kind of bursts out in this kind of praise over him. And after he does that, he looks at Mary, and he says, Indeed, this child is destined to, call, to cause the rise and fall of many. And a sword will pierce your own heart too. But through it, God will reveal the thoughts of many, many hearts. The promises that God gives us isn't that it's always going to be easy. What Mary had to go through for Jesus to fulfill his destiny, for him to fulfill his calling, rise and fall, it also says that, he's gonna, that there's going to be those who oppose him, a sword in your heart. This does not sound like fun stuff. But even though it's not always fun, it is a joy and it is an honor to walk with our family, with our children, literally our brothers, our sisters, our parents on their journey of what God has for them. And no matter how dark of a tunnel either we are in or someone that we love is in, maybe you have a child, a grown child who's in a dark place and you have been praying for them earnestly for years. 
We don't know how it's going to end. But God promises that he will use it for his good. All the things with Stephen that the enemy meant for evil, God used it for good. All the things with Jesus, the torture, the cross, being jailed, the enemy was like, I have won. Oh no, said God. I'm using all of this for good, for many hearts. And so this morning on Mother's Day Church, the invitation is to hold on to the promises of God. Hold on to the promises for our children, no matter where they are. Hold on to the promises for ourselves, no matter where we are. And have a little grace for ourselves, either as children or as parents. Because God has covered all of it, and it is through Jesus, it is through his sacrifice that we are able to step through the end of the tunnel and into the light and into the life that he has for us. So church, I'm going to invite you guys to stand um, as we kind of move into the next part of our service. And if you guys are visitors at RCC, this is just the end of what we do at every service here, is we want to um, make space and time for us to really just kind of soak in and receive what God has for us this morning. And so here's what we do, is we have people um, in our church that have been trained as prayer ministers. And if all the prayer ministers want to make their way forward... And anybody who wants prayer really for anything this morning, it can be anything through worship or dedication or the message or anything, maybe your foot hurts and you need prayer for that. We invite you to come forward and you can just stand kind of all around here is why we kind of have this space. And if you wanna receive prayer, you can just stand here and we ask that you stand with your eyes closed and your hands out, like you're just ready to receive the words that God has for you. Um, and if you want to do this at your seat, you can do that too. But we invite you. We've got five minutes before you've got to go pick up your children just to kind of sit in his presence and receive what he has for you this morning. If our prayer ministers want to make their way forward, if we have any in, and anybody who would like prayer for anything this morning, we invite you forward. Um, and you did that. You, went, you grew up and you went into the family business and it's nice and it's fine and it's great. But there's always been a fire inside of you um, for missionary work. And it's a fire, just an itch that you can't quite put away. And so um, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that calls you into. But um, I encourage you, if that feels true to you, to come up and receive prayer over that this morning.